Welcome back to the Lawali Life podcast. I hope you're all doing as well as you can in either self-isolation or isolation with your loved ones. I know it can be taxing, so I'm going to be here to bring you some of the most inspiring people I know and content over the next few weeks to help keep you grounded, stress-free, and inspired and motivated during this very strange time. For those of you that haven't tuned in already, I'm Alice Law and I'm your host and founder of Lawali Life, which is my coaching practice I've set up to help stress professionals and entrepreneurs to manage, get rid of and decrease stress whilst improving their personal and professional performance. This podcast is based purely around stress and loss, which is pretty apt at this time, and it is a mixture of conversations with amazing leaders in their fields from top CEOs, neuroscientists, other coaches and practitioners, spiritual thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and more guiding you through the greatest stress and losses they've personally had to overcome, how they did it, and tips on how to get you back through yours. Today, I am joined by the amazing Sammy Blundell, who is a branding guru and expert. She is a multi-award winning international speaker, six times best-selling author, and the chief vision officer behind How to Build a Brand, the Brand Builders Club, and the One Drop Movement. She is also the founding co-author of the book we've recently co-authored and launched the law of brand attraction which is an international bestseller and we recorded this before we went on this journey and before i started being in a part of her brand builders club and also being a co-author on this wonderful book which all the proceeds have gone to the clear sky children's mental health charity so i thought this week was as great a time as ever being mental health awareness week to introduce you guys to sammy i'm also doing a live with her today which you can find on my Instagram and I'll also be making a podcast episode out of it. It'll be all about the actual book itself and I hope you get as much value from Sammy as I do every time I speak to her and I hope you enjoy this episode. so much for joining today. So today we have Sammy Blindell, who is basically a branding guru amongst many things, an author, a international speaker, and really excited to talk to you today because for multiple reasons, you know, your one drop movement, which we'll get into is something I want to talk about and your own personal experience with stress. And it's just really great to have you. So thank you so much for joining. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. I can't wait for you to dig deeper. You never know what's going to come out of these conversations. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Free flow. <laughs> so first of all, would you like to tell us just a bit about your story and how you came to have, you know, your brand, first of your sort of main brand now, really, which is how to build a brand, the company, isn't it? Yeah. So how did you come onto yeah. that journey? Um, wow, uh, um, it was quite a long journey. I set out to uh, to be a graphic designer. Like, since I was eight years old, I knew what I wanted to be. I had a cousin that was a graphic designer. I loved the idea of her life. And if you talk about modeling success, I was doing that very early on. It was like, I want that life. I want to be doing that. And I love the fast pace, um, the, the advertising element of it, the, the people. You know, I'm such a people person. And I just loved that entire... Um, aspect of of everything about that career path but uh, you know maybe some of the people listening to this now might resonate when I say I got where I thought I wanted to go and then when I got there it wasn't what I wanted <laughs> <laughs> and so um, that kind of set me on a trajectory really for starting my own business I've got two very entrepreneurial parents in fact somebody said to me you know what's your backstory 
And um, so I told them my backstory and they went, yeah, but what's the backstory behind the backstory? What about your parents and their parents? And and when I thought about it, I thought, wow, I've been literally created for this moment. You know, like I've got a whole, when you look back through my entire like family history, they're all artists, inventors, creators, entrepreneurs, you know, it goes right back through my family history. So, uh, you know, musicians got very, very creative um, you know, family history. So it was kind of destined for me, me to, to be one of those. But I don't know if um, the universe was ready for me to be all of those things <laughs> in one package. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's been quite a journey. And um, uh, I started my first business in 2002. I built uh, six companies and then totally burned out. And I think um, when you saw me on stage a few months ago at the event where we met, uh, I was talking very much about that that brand burnout because I think what happens to us as as business owners sometimes we're thrown into uh, you know or into a career you don't have to have a business to feel the way that I'm about to explain but um, you know you feel like um, life's controlling you instead of you controlling life and especially if you do go into building a business most of the people that I coach and mentor. Um, and have for for many years. I've got around fifty thousand followers who I'm literally coaching and mentoring remotely through programs and speaking and my books and and courses and things. So there's a lot of people that I'm connected with on a weekly basis, and I'm hearing the same problems all the time. And they have exactly the same problems that I had. And ultimately, you know, you you tend to start a business. Um, because you can, <laughs> not necessarily because you should. And there's, you know, a lot of hard learnings, a lot of hard learnings. And I know when I started my first business back in 2002, it's because I've been made redundant. And that's not a good reason to start a business. And I created that whole business with a, an energy of fear, actually. You know, it's what am I going to do? And, and I think right now, there's never been a bigger point in history where people are creating businesses from fear. And, you know, there's lots of big companies that are now starting to um, take on freelancers and zero hours workers. And, you know, there's a lot of stress around business right now, I, I'm seeing, because, you know, there, there aren't as many jobs as there were. So people are having to get resourceful with the resources they have and really tap into those inner resources more than the outer external resources. Uh, never before have we had to be more resilient and more robust in ourselves to be able to uh, to live the, the life purpose that we were here to, to live. And so, so I found myself on a, on a path where I created um, six businesses. And when I look back on it in hindsight, I actually um, – all of those businesses were not born from the right energy. So it's not surprising that I burned out. And um, it was back in 2013 where I had a real big burnout. And ultimately, for like for 12 years, I'd been making millions of pounds, dollars and euros for other business owners, supporting them and, and training them what to do and supporting them with, you know, their social media, their branding, their marketing, advertising. You know, we built up quite a big agency to the point that we were going through the process of selling it for 7.8 million. And I remember we had three buyers in particular, and they were all kind of, you know, fighting to, to take our business on, to acquire our business. And I remember, like, I lost so much sleep over that. And I, it was making me very ill, actually. And I started to get chest pains. And those little twinges became really bad chest pains, which became debilitating. 
And it was only after I was in the, the consultant's office at the hospital for the fourth time in as many months. And he said to me, Miss Blindell, he said, you know, I, I can't see you in this room. If I see you in this room even one more time, I cannot guarantee that what you're doing to your body is going to be reversible. You have to change what you're doing. And he said something that actually has become a bit of a mantra for me <laughs> ever since then, which was, you know, you're free to make your own choices, but you're not free of the consequences of those choices. And that rings bells, you know, alarm bells for me a lot. If I start going down a route, my intuition now reminds me, hang on, Sammy, what's the result of this choice? You're free to make this choice. If you want to make that choice, then do it. But what's the consequence of that? And will you feel good about the consequence of it? Yeah, cause and effect. And so I remember leaving that, that um, hospital still in pain. You know, they're trying to obviously um, solve the problem with medication, whereas that's not the, the solution for it at all. The solution was stop the stress, like stop what's causing the stress. And the stress was selling the business to somebody who didn't share the same values as us, somebody who didn't care about the business the same way that we did. And I break every rule where it comes to friends in business. As far as I'm concerned, I'm spending more time with my clients than I am with my family. I'm going to bloody like those people. I'm going to make sure that, <laughs> that I enjoy being around them, right? And likewise. And so um, we, we, every single one of our clients was a friend and I didn't feel, you know, I'm a very loyal person. And so I, I didn't feel like I could just, you know, sell up make tons of money and walk away with loads of money in the bank, but actually no soul. I felt like I'd have been selling my soul if I'd have done that. And it was causing a lot of stress. And so I'm surrounded at this point by a lot of, you know, high um, business people, high-end business people who are all like, yes, the money, the money, the money. That's not who I was at all. And actually I would have preferred the sleep than the money. And that's what I chose and so I, I walked away. I walked away from that business and said, I'm done. Like, this isn't me. This isn't who I want to be. And, um, you know, I don't feel like I'm showing up in my authentic self if I go through with this process. And so we ended up giving the business to our operations director for a pound and said, Tim, you've worked for us for seven years. You've worked your butt off, you know. Um, like, we can leave you with a legacy. And yet, actually, I get to then go and live the life that I want to create, not the one that I have created. So I created the, you know, up until, I mean, that was six years ago in January. So uh, I'm now 44. So at 38, uh, I literally retired. I just walked away and I walked away with nothing. Um, well, I say nothing. I walked away with 50 pence because we sold the business for a pound to make sure there was an exchange. <laughs> but I was able to walk away with my soul and uh, my head held high and knowing that you know, Tim was already looking after all of our customers anyway. So there was complete continuity. Everybody got looked after, especially Tim. And, you know, and he was set up with a business for life. And in fact, he went on to sell the business, um, but he sold himself with the business. So he's now still looking after all those clients. And, you know, I felt really good about, about that. And so it was then time for the next stage of my life. And that's when I created How to Build a Brand. And I really, you know, that up to 38, my life was created by accident. And since 38, my life has been created by design. And, and I would say that's the real difference is, you know, when you've got nothing, you've got nothing to lose. And so I really looked at 
well, if I were to create something really meaningful, then I'd want it to be more of a legacy. I don't want it to be just living day to day. I want to create something that's going to be around for a long, long time, way beyond me. And if I did that, what would that look like? You know, what would I be creating and who, what, who would I be creating that for? And so I set out to build the world's largest and most valuable brand building resource for entrepreneurs of purpose-driven businesses. And that's just turned six years old uh, a few months ago. And um, that took me all over the world and training and, and coaching and supporting and mentoring and doing the most amazing things, been on documentaries. I've written books with other people. I've created over a thousand mini courses and programs. You know, it's, it's been quite a journey this last six years. Three years ago, I launched the Brand Builders Club because I sensed that there were a lot of people that that were really lonely in business and trying to do things on their own. And because they were doing it on their own, they didn't know that the way they were doing it was the hard way. And so I felt that, you know, there had to be a place where, you know, I could go and I could share and say, hey, I need some feedback on this product. Or could somebody just go to my landing page and give me some feedback on that? But everywhere I went... It was like, oh, that's self-promotional, stop, you know, and it just felt like I wasn't welcome in any of those communities. So I thought, I'm going to create it. You know, I, I, see a, I see a world where we can collaborate instead of compete and where if I want to speak in a certain country, that I could reach out to my network and say, hey, you know, I'm coming over to Florida. Um, I'd love to speak in some, uh, you know, to some other networks while I'm there. Who knows some some speaker agents or who knows somebody that's running an event at the same time I'm going to be there where I might be able to speak. And and that's what the Brand Builders Club has, has turned into. And they're all creating programs together, writing books together, creating mini courses. They're getting out into each other's networks. They're really collaborating. They're championing each other at all times to all the corners of the earth. And it's amazing to see how fast they're growing. Literally in the last week, I've had three people that have started a business from scratch and they're already up and running and making money. These are people that had to close the doors on their existing business. I've got one lady, um, she's built a very successful hair salon. I met her at the event where I met you. And she came up to me and she said, I really feel called. I've heard about this brand builders club. I feel like I need to be part of this. Um, she joined literally seven days ago. And, um, and she has a hairdressing company. Well, her business has been shut down because of what's going on. And, um, and so she had to pivot and she's created a whole new online side to her business. She's already got celebrity endorsements. Off she goes, you know, it's, it's just brilliant to, uh, to, to watch that happen. And then through that one drop movement was born because <laughs> I saw so many people, you know, really being that one drop for each other. I saw the amount of ripples and waves that were created as a result of two people coming together and making greater things happen because there was so much more energy between them. And I thought, wow, you know, how could, how could, how could we create more ripple effects? How could you be a ripple maker and not just a change maker or not just getting up and working day to day? You know, how could you really be that change maker for each other and that ripple maker? And so um, One Drop Movement was born because I saw a quote Many years ago, back in 2002, when I started my first business, I saw a quote on um, a presentation. I went to a business presentation to learn about business skills because I didn't know when I first started out. I was back then at the same point that everybody else is where they're starting a business now. And I remember seeing on the screen, individually, we're one drop, but together, we're the ocean. 
and that really resonated with me and I thought what does it mean to be that one drop what what would I what would I have to do to be that one drop and it was kind of born from that and every morning the very first thing my waking thoughts are channel me to be the ripple maker for someone today who's going to be my one drop <laughs> who am I focusing on today and I've just done that unconsciously and then a couple of years ago um, I just finished filming on the location of a documentary and I was on my way back to, so I was in San Diego filming. Um, we were on our way back to uh, LAX airport and there was this gorgeous little crystal shop. And I, we stopped at this group, my friend Lynn, who was driving me to the airport, she said, I've got to take you to this group. You'll love it. You'll absolutely love it. Cause I'm a bit of a magpie when it comes to crystals and anything shiny. And so, so we go into this crystal shop and I look around and as I turn, I see right next to the cashier desk, um, I see this, drop necklace hanging I was like oh my god that's one drop and she said what's one drop and I went individually we're one drop but together we're the ocean and the ocean is in every drop and she was like wow where did that come from so I started talking to her about this practice that I've been doing every day and um and she said to me oh my god like you've got to do something with that and so anyway like people started asking me what's that drop what's that around your neck and of course I started sharing the story which became a movement. And after the, about 500 people by that point had asked me, what is that around your neck? And I'd been saying, you know, every one of them had said to me, where do I get one of those? Um, and, uh, and so I, and I couldn't source them. And so I, I turned to my mum, who has an amazing craft centre over in France. And we do glass fusing, we do painting, we do, you know, fine art, clay work, we do all kinds of stuff. And I said, mum, I need your help to make these because I can't find them anywhere even the shop that I bought the one drop from, they don't even remember having it in their store, even though I've got it on my credit card statement. They've got no evidence that that pendant was ever in their store. So I've, I've, I've had 18 different gem experts try and source them for me. They just can't um, because I want them perfect. I knew exactly what I wanted in my mind. So my mum and I set to work and every day for nearly 11 months, we, um, we were fusing, we were diff firing different glasses, we were doing different processes. I knew that I wanted it to be luminescent. I wanted it to be something that as soon as it touched the light, you would see it glow, as you can see it glinting uh, if you're watching the video. And, um, and it's in the chest area, so it lights your, your heart area up. And so it needed to do that. And um, so, yeah, November last year, my mum, she said, I think I've cracked it. And so because she's in France and I'm in England. So we're doing all of this. We've developed this entire movement via FaceTime pretty much. And uh, she went, what do you think of this? And then she sent it to me. And I went, that's it. That's perfect. So I then had some people wearing the one drops, testing them, go swimming in it, wear it in the shower, wear it in the bath, you know, just really test it. So I had them do that. And um, so after about six weeks, six, nearly seven weeks, we said, right, I think we're ready to launch this. And so when I shared it with you a few weeks ago, that was literally the um, the first time that people were seeing it, and it's now um, starting to become a, a global movement. So I'm I really would love to see a million change makers wearing a one drop, become a one droppreneur or a mum droppreneur or a grand droppreneur or a kid droppreneur, <laughs> and uh, even recognise these change makers. I think it's brilliant. You could give one to someone and say, "Hey, thank you for being the ripple effect for me." You know, you've been a great drop in my life. And to me, I think that's wonderful. You, you know, and I see people that are wearing the one drops now and they hug each other drop to drop instead of heart to heart. They actually say drop to drop as they're hugging. And um, and they're just seeing it. You know, they see somebody who's wearing a, a one drop and they go, oh, my God, you're part of one drop. Tell me about yourself. What do you do? 
right? All the barriers are gone because you know you're talking to somebody who really cares about making a difference. Um, you know, so it, it's very powerful. But you have an amazing, like, you have an amazing journey of business and self-discovery. So I just want to break those sections down a bit for people because there's certain Mm. parts I think people need to know more of in each bit. So, for example, your burnout. Would you say from that part of your life and stress, I find that a lot of people wait for their bodies to tell them before they accept it in their minds that they Mm -hmm. can make a change. And for you, that you know, listening eventually to your body because you had to, do you think you would have ever done that unless your body had said, sorry, enough's enough? No, well, I don't know. I think eventually I would have just become too tired to Mm -hmm. even go on. But um, I think we always end up, um, you know, it's a shame that we get to the precipice before we take notice of of what our body is actually telling us. And you know, obviously now I listen to my body very, I'm very in tune with my body now. If I've got any kind of ache or pain or um, little ouch moment, it's like, oh, what's that about? You know, even a sore throat, uh, you know, okay, what am I, what am I not saying that needs to be said? I'm very, very in tune with, with uh, what's going on now. But I wasn't at that time because my, I was so focused on the doing that I wasn't being and and I think that's happening for a lot of people and especially in a corporate setting yeah and you know in the workplace there's a lot of pressure to perform and if somebody's working late then everybody seems to work late because otherwise it's not socially acceptable for you to be the one that's actually focusing on self-care you know, you, you're you're always um kind of uh, stepping up to 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 be the same you know to fit in rather than stand out we're trying to fit in so much and 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 do the things that are socially acceptable not personally acceptable and and on a soul level so yeah I think a lot of people are burning out because they're focused on the targets the goals you know one of the things I really learned going through this experience was that um I was I was always focused on manifestation before you know, I got into the secret very early on. And, um, you know, most of the cast of, of secret are very good friends of mine now. So, um, you know, I, I kind of hang around with that kind of energy. So I, I but back then it was, I didn't know any of this existed. And, um, uh, it was actually my business partner was given the secret for his birthday or Christmas. And, um, it, cause his birthday is around Christmas. So it was sat on the side and I thought, Oh, I might give that a go. I've heard people talking about this secret thing and um and it took three times of me watching it to really get it. And um the third time I watched it and I thought, oh, that's really interesting. Okay, the power of manifestation. And so I created my first vision board. And um, you know, it's quite funny actually, that first vision board, there's a picture on that vision board of um a border collie dog on the front of this canal barge that's obviously just jumped out of the water and it's like (laughs) you can just imagine the life of this dog you know it's just loving life and I thought I want that life and um and literally recently uh we were looking at well where would where where do we want to move to we'd sold our house we didn't know what we were going to do next where do we want to go and we were walking hand in hand along a canal my husband and I at the time and he said well what about a boat and I remember the vision of that dog on the barge all those years ago on my very first vision board and I said oh my god I got the dog but I didn't get the boat (laughs) so now we live on a boat and we full-time travel you know it's um 
So, you know, going back to manifestation, like I created that vision board and I focused on manifestation. But actually what I've learned over the years is it's not the energy of manifestation that we really need to live in. It's the energy of affirmation. It's believing we already have it and it's being grateful for what we already have. And back then I wasn't. I was so focused on manifesting the goal. Here's the goal. Goal deadline, goal deadline, goal deadline. And especially when you're working for other people, if you're in a job or um, you're running your own business, but that business is, you know, like we had a design agency. So, you know, we had a physical building, we had staff, we had responsibilities and we had a lot of clients. And, um, you know, we had a lot of big clients, very big corporate, you know, brand names that you have in your household. We have a, we had a lot of those clients and, you know, the stress of managing that, it's like every client we took on, it was great for our brand. It was brilliant for the, another logo that we can stick to our website, another case study, another testimonial. That was excellent. But every client we took on, we put their life ahead of ours. So we went back in the priority queue. And I think a lot, and I'm seeing a lot, I think a lot of people also do that. You know, you put your clients first. And because you put your clients first, you can get to this state of constant stress, making sure that you're performing and supporting that client. And before you know it, you're burned out, you're tired, you're not eating properly, you're not getting enough exercise, you're not getting enough fresh air, you know, you're not listening to your soul, and you're not in affirmation of, wow, you know, I I absolutely love my life. I love my life. I have everything that I need. I've got food in my belly. I've got a roof over my head. Um, You know, I have nature whenever I want to be able to to go into nature, have a great business, beautiful clients. You know, whatever it is you're grateful for, be grateful for it because, you know, and actively uh, be in that energy because then you'll get more of it. Otherwise, if you're in the energy of stress, you'll get more of that instead (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's like that, that um, expression of, you know, energy goes where focus flows. And it is true. Whatever you, you know, put all your attention on will create more of, whether that's stress or happiness. And You totally will. I think it's really interesting when you said before that you saw the value of being able to hand over your company, essentially, for an exchange of one pound. I mean, that's an incredible story because the value that you saw that was so beyond that one pound that could have been, you know, whatever X amount it was, right. yeah. was so much higher to you because of your own, you know, your own values and your own health and your own happiness. And I think that's an amazing thing that a lot of people really are, are too scared to do. I'm not saying they need to sell their company for a pound. Not everyone can do that. But I mean, to actually just step out and think, okay, I need to follow through on what makes me happy instead of sort of selling my soul, essentially. So what was the sort of turning point for you in that decision to make that decision? What was that moment for you? Um, I think unconsciously I was going against my own core values and I was too busy living other people's um, standards and too busy living what was important to them and I'd forgotten what was important to me. I mean, you know, I got to a point where we brought a coach in to the business, a sales coach um, to coach the team. And I remember the the coach uh, asking us the question, you know, what's your reason? Why, why, why are you doing this? And, and I remember being really super clear from a business perspective, but he said, no, 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 forget about the business, the, your life. Like, what, what are you doing this for? What, what life is it 
you want this business to give you? And I remember thinking, well, I don't have a life. All of my clients <laughs> are my friends. Um, you know, my family live in France. They're not French, but they'd moved to France many years before. And at that point, you know, I didn't have a husband or a family. I had, it was me and my dog. you know this big design agency that we'd built and on the side I'd built another four companies on the side of that design agency as well so I was actually running five companies at the same time because um you know with our design agency we were building that up and then we had a strategic partner said oh you know we'd love to be in business with you you're passing so much work to us um from an online marketing point of view we might as well be in business together and really build this up and I thought well you know I don't want you to be part of my main business I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do with that but I'll you know I'll set up a sister company so we set up a, a satellite company as such called the same thing but online marketing uh, and we built that up and then somebody else approached me, social media. So we set up a social media company and then we had um, uh, a business development company. It was um, actually, it was my very first membership model and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I didn't even know I was creating a membership. I just thought, you know, how can I get, you know, if, if I'm, I was, I was going to the opening of an envelope and I was exhausted because I was constantly networking and, and I really didn't have a life at that point. And I remember thinking, gosh, you know, instead of me going to everybody else, why can't I get them to come to me? What would that, what would that look like? And so I made a list of like 50 of the people who I'd referred really good business to and they'd referred really good business to me. So there was a great values alignment. We were both wanting to support each other. And I thought if I got those 50 people in a room for one night, surely if I've got a unique synergy with them, they would have a synergy with each other as well. So I just, that's what I did. And I, I invited 50 um, local entrepreneurs and business owners at that time. This was back in um, April, 2007. And I think it was the, the first Tuesday of every month we met. And um, this first Tuesday, I got everyone then, every single person showed up that I'd invited. And I didn't expect that. I thought out of 50, we'd maybe get 15 to 20. All 50 showed up. Wow. And we had such an amazing event that they said, can we do this again next month? Which became the next month and the next month. And within nine months, I said, you know, we need to do this properly. And so we turned it into a membership model. And we all of those people were paying um, £1,000 a year to be part of um, this business. And within four years, um, it had grown so much. It had become a business development academy. And we still had it at 50. We capped it at 50, but people didn't want to leave because there was a huge waiting list. And we ran events every um, month and guests could come to that event once, but they weren't allowed to join it, right? So there was massive exclusivity around this. But it it needed to be a business. You know, I set it up to drive business into my agency. I didn't set it up to become a a successful business model. Um, and so, you know, it needed to, someone needed to grow it. And fortunately, there was um, a, a, a member, one of our members knew somebody who was trying to build the same thing in Newcastle, but they couldn't get it off the ground and theirs wasn't working. And and so uh, we just, um, we, we, said, we got in contact with this person and said, you're trying to build exactly what we've got here. <clears throat> you know, why don't you buy this? And then you've got the whole business model. And, and I'd already built it as if it were a franchise anyway. I've kind of done that with all of my businesses. So, and I learned how to do that because one of my first businesses that I went to sell 
it wasn't valued at anything because it had no systems. So I learned about systems, automation and systemization very early on. So I was very lucky. I've built every business like that, you know, as if, it, as if that business could run without me, um, whether I was in it or not. So, um, so yeah, um, and we sold that business in 2011. So we sold it and that's still going, that's still going uh, now. Um, but, you know, it's like <clears throat> I kind of fell into all of these things. I didn't create any of it by design. And so there I am, I'm running this business. I've got these other satellite businesses that I've built up. And actually, when I look back on that time, I was putting everybody else first. I wasn't putting myself first at all in any of those situations. And my values, which are freedom, my highest value is freedom. But I didn't, I was going completely against that freedom and creativity, you know, and loyalty. They, they are like really important to me. And so I've always attracted other people that are like that. Only I was giving them the freedom and I didn't have the freedom. So I was getting to be creative every day in my job and I was getting to be loyal to my customers and they were loyal to me, but I didn't have the freedom. And that was the value that I was really missing. And, you know, even I, I think I went on holiday once in about eight years. And even while I was away for that week, my phone didn't stop ringing. And I realized, hang on a minute, I've set up all these systems. But what I've done is I've built a business that um, I'd, I'd built. I wouldn't say necessarily on ego or I hadn't built it around my ego on purpose, but it was very nice having so many people need me. Um, you know, cause I didn't have a family and I didn't have those other responsibilities. Um, I didn't need to think about them, but really what I wanted to do was drop the ego. I didn't need to be known by everybody. I just wanted to be me. I just, I just wanted to do what I'm doing now. I just wanted to float around on a boat with my dog and a family <laughs> and have that life. And, um, you know, and, and it was so different. I couldn't even comprehend having the life that I live now back then. And so, you know, I think it's about making small changes because, you know, you could say to yourself, um, you know, you, you could be working 18 to 20 hours a day, exhausted, you, you know, trying to make ends meet, trying to pay your mortgage and all of the very serious and very real things that we need to do to live and survive. And from that energy space, thinking about having the life you want, it just seems so far away that it, it doesn't even feel like it's possible. But with small steps, you don't have to do what I did. I mean, I got to breaking point. It was one thing after another thing after another thing. And I had to break almost like a seed has to break before it can grow. Um, I was that seed and, and that was my path. I had to break. I don't think anything could have stopped me from continuing to be goal driven unless my body broke down and my body had to break down. It was like the universe kept saying to me, <clears throat> okay, here's another warning. Here's another warning. Just giving you the megaphone. Here's a warning. And um, I wasn't listening. And so it had to do something that would that would force me to listen. And, you know, you can't do very much if you don't have a working heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, well, exactly. The, the, the backbone to everything. But it's... Um, right. I think it's so Your true. body will let you know. The universe just gives you continuous signs to point you in the right direction. A lot of the time we're just blinkers on, not looking, not... Well, not even not looking, just not even accepting what's being shown to us if we're not ready mm -hmm. to see it. And I think that's really interesting because we are, we are constantly being guided, I believe. And, 
if we're not looking, then it will eventually sort of back you onto the path really almost like aggressively because you haven't oh, it will. taken that it time. It will get more aggressive. Yeah. It will get more aggressive, more persistent, and the pain will become more unbearable. And, uh, you know, like how painful does it need to be? And I think what I know now that I didn't know then was that you don't actually have to experience the physical pain. I think the the emotional pain, if you were to step into the future, you know, there was um, there's a technique. I can't remember the name of this technique. You know, Tony Robbins does it. You know, people who specialize in personal development and interventions, um, they usually uh, they do this. And in a nutshell, one of the things that really was the kind of cherry on the cake was um, I watched a, a video and um, Tony Robbins was doing this this intervention and, and he said, uh, okay, so if you continued exactly as you are now and you didn't change a thing about your life, you just carried on, in three years from now, what's your life going to be like? No, five years, sorry. He said, five years, what's your life going to be like? And I remember thinking to myself, God, you know, I'm going to be seriously ill in five years. If I carry on with the hours, I was working 18 to 20 hours a day, wasn't eating properly. Um, you know, it, I didn't even have time to walk my dog. And I remember um, thinking, wow, five years, if I continue the way I'm going, I'm going to be very, very seriously. I mean, they're already giving me warnings. So I'm going to be seriously ill. You know, maybe I'll have something that's irreversible and someone's going to need to care for me. Shit. I'm on my own. Who's going to care for me? All my family live in France. And so I started to go down that track. Well, before I could even finish going down that track, he then said, okay, and what about 10 years from now? And I, my mind then switched and I was thinking, oh, maybe I'm not even going to be here. And 10 years from now, like if I work myself that hard that I can't work anymore because I'm paralyzed or you know, I've got some serious illness where I'm on medication and my life's going to revolve around the clock of what tablets to take and when, because I'd seen other people have to go through that process. I thought, wow, you know, I might not even be here in 10 years. And I started to get quite choked up at that thought. I started to get really uh, very emotional about the thought that in, in 10 years from now, I might not even be here. So, so I really felt like I was wasting my life by that point. And when he said 20 years, well, at that point, I just, I remember having a, a very clear vision. Um, I saw coffins going past and like, I saw the coffin of my family, my parents, my nieces, my nephews. And the one that really did me, I came undone at this point was when I saw my dog's little coffin go past me. And I thought, oh, Sammy. You know, you are you are literally working so much that you're missing out on the lives of every single person that you love so much. You don't even have time to walk your dog. You know, she's just sitting on your feet under the desk day in, day out. What kind of life is that for her? And it just got me really into an emotional place where I didn't necessarily have to go through the breakdown, although I was going through it anyway. But if only someone had done that process to me earlier on, mm. I would have been able to have stepped into the future and really seen, again, you know, you're free to make the choices that you make, but you're not free of the consequences of those choices. So if I choose to 
keep doing what I'm doing every day now and not make those positive changes for myself, my health, and for my future family or the family that I have, um, who am I really being? Am, am I really being who I'm meant to be? And who, well, who is that person? You know, if, if I were to strip all of that stuff away and I only focused on what I wanted and what life I would like to live, w- would I still continue doing the things I'm doing now? Would I still be working with the people that I'm working with? Would I still be working in the place that I'm working? Would I, you know, the environment that, would I still have all of that around me or would I choose to do it a different way? And um, that was one of the, the, the final pieces of I'm done. That was like my I'm done moment. Um, I think and, it, and that totally preceded any, any I've made it moment, you know, it's the, the I done moment. It's kind of like um, that saying where they say, you know, is, is it, do they say something like there's two days, um, uh, two days that you're born, um, the day you're actually born, and then the day you realize why you were born. Yeah. Yeah. The day you realize why. <laughs> um, and I think that's, I didn't know why I was born at that point, but I did know that I was born for something different than I was experiencing. And of course, I'd created absolutely everything in my existence and everything in my universe. Thank so, you. Mm. It's so amazing though, because, <laughs> like you say, you're taking essentially really observing the fact that we are all on borrowed time and a lot of people just live life as if it's going to go on forever. But for example, the crisis that we're all experiencing now shows just how quickly life can change in a second for Mm -hmm. the masses. Yeah, in a heartbeat. So how, you know, do people need to find the confidence to actually fulfill the life that they're meant to, you know, live and actually step into that? And I think it's really powerful you're saying about that just actually to really look at that and not have to get to that point where you have to put yourself in a 10-year position of distress Mm. and just Mm. really kind of think about what you want from now so I mean you also you work you say with global change makers now for branding so purpose-driven change makers so what is a purpose-driven change maker for you? Well, a purpose-driven change maker is somebody who wants to make a difference in the life of others. It's as simple as that. You know, it could be that you are, um, you know, you're a mum and you want to be the best mum that you can be. You know, a mum is a change maker. And it could be somebody who's thinking of starting a business and wants to make an impact in their local community. It might be somebody who wants to make an impact globally. You know, you don't have to be a global um ripple maker as such but I think we underestimate how global our ripples actually are you know you you'll only ever know of around one percent of the impact that you ever make friend of mine Simon Hartley he was talking about that um uh not long ago on one of my shows and and I thought wow that's that's so powerful you only know of around one percent of the impact that you'll ever make and so you know that mum who um, you know, who brings up their children with in an environment of so much love and creativity and support and nurture, you know, those children go on to become brilliant human beings and they might be the global change makers. You just, every ripple that you create, it makes a difference in someone else's life. And so, you know, whether you want to write a book to change lives or you want to create a product to change lives or, you want to share your message 
and inspire others to change lives. That, that to me is a change maker. And I think whilst ever you're waking up every morning thinking, you know, how can I be a ripple for somebody else today? How can I be that one drop that's going to create a wave for them? You know, a friend of mine, uh, uh, Judith Quinn, very good. She's one of our Brown Builders Club members. She, she says words make waves. And I think that, that we massively underestimate how powerful it is when you just tell one person, I really appreciate you. Thank you for all that you do. Um, Pete Cohen, really good friend of mine, known him for years. He was at the, uh, the event that I met you. And uh, he literally, he joined the Brand Builders Club about three days ago. And every single day, he has sent me a message so far saying, you're awesome. You're, you're brilliant, you know. And it, we underestimate how much value somebody puts on that. And how long has that taken him to do that? Just saying, you're awesome, you know, or I really value you. Just it takes seconds, even if you copied and pasted that to 20 people, you could probably copy and paste that to 20 people in a minute. That's 20 drops, that's 20 ripples, that's 20 waves. Now, that person might be having a terrible day. Think of the trajectory of their day before you said those few words. Think of the trajectory of their day after they've read that and realized that they are valued, that they are important, that they are special, that they have been recognized. And I, I just really think that we underestimate the value of creating legacy in every moment. We don't have to die to create a legacy. You can open the door for somebody and, and create a legacy because you changed their day and their day changing is, it's, a, it's the butterfly effect, isn't it? You have no idea but as long as you show up every day and you're kind and you're a beautiful soul and you do nice things for others, that to me is a change maker. And it doesn't matter what you do or who you are. Whilst ever you are in that one drop energy, you will always be creating legacy. I love that. And I completely agree. And it really reminds me when you say, you know, those small acts of kindness. It's like that quote Maya Angelou says that, you know, people will forget what you did. They forget what you said, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And it costs yeah. nothing to make someone feel a certain way. And I think that's such an important thing to remember for a legacy. And I, lo I love that. So speaking of those sort of things and legacies and leaving things behind, what does sort of spirituality, for example, what does that mean to you personally? Because it means something different to everyone, which is what I love. So, but what for sure. you... Great question. Um, my grandma was a, um, a homeopathy um, nurse, I guess you would call her. Um, she she was a, a spiritualist. She was a healer. People traveled from far and wide to come and have healing with my grandma. So I was grown up or I grew up. I was brought up around spirituality. It's been a massive part of my life. Um, you know, I probably talk to her more now than I did when she was alive. And I talked <laughs> to her a lot then, you know. Um, I think spirituality to me is just being totally connected to source, whether your source is God, Allah, universe, spirit, angels, you know, they're all different things and they all mean something different to, to different people, as you say. And I think, you know, whatever it is for you, just tap into it. Just tap into it because I think whilst ever you are 
Um, whilst ever you're in a place of complete purity, you know, no matter what's going on around you, no matter who's around you, you hold your shape. And I think as long as you know who you are, you're always going to attract other people who are like that. Yeah. And, you know, I tend to attract really quite highly spiritual people, probably because I am that person. I wouldn't say, you know, if someone said to me, who are you? Oh, I'm a really spiritual person. I think if you're a spiritual person, you don't really need you to say that. It just is, it is what it is. Um, but I think it's all about connection. I, I realized that um, I was, at, I was speaking at an event in Florida last January, I think it was. And um and they were doing this exercise from the stage before I went on and they were talking about uh, peer groups and who are you surrounding yourself with? And of course, I've done a lot of work in that. Uh, you know, I'm constantly uh, up-leveling myself. Like I'm so far out of my comfort zone every day and I put myself in that position um, because I think that's how we grow spiritually, actually. It's, it's doing those things that, um, that other people won't actually so that you can do the things that other people can't in future and not everyone's prepared to do those things and so I'm constantly growing always reading constantly um up leveling myself personally not just in business you know we'd, we we made a bit of a pact that we weren't just going to have business books we were going to um, focus on uh, you know reading books that would also grow us spiritually and so you know we're doing a lot of that and I, I just think that as long as you're connected to self, like if I ever I feel myself getting disconnected now, I'll get a candle and I'll just look into that candle, just a normal candle. I've got one right in front of me here. Just a normal uh, rituals is my favorite. My happy Buddha. Mm. I'm very happy with my happy. I just love happy Buddha candles from rituals. Um, and it's funny. This has got written on it. What's meant to be will always find a way. I've never noticed that before. But I, I burn my candle and I will just look into the flame. I'll just look into the flame and remind myself of who I am. Yeah. And I think whilst ever you can do that and you can say, you know what, who am I? You know, I'm kind, I'm genuine, I'm, I'm loyal, I care greatly about other people. Um, if ever I do something that's out of alignment with that, Oh, it feels terrible. It feels really bad. So you'll know, like, if you don't feel good, you're going away from your soul. You're going away spiritually from who you are. If what you're doing doesn't feel good, if it doesn't, if you're not, if you're going to sleep at night or not, <laughs> and you're laying there and you're, you're feeling, I don't know, out of whack or resentful or, um, you know, frustrated then that's your soul. That's your spirit. That's, you know, whatever you want to call it. That's, that's whatever it is letting you know that you're out of alignment, you know? And, um, to me, like everything is love. If ever I do anything that is not from a place of love, like I know about it. I really know about it. Or if I say something, you know, cause I still catch myself, right. You know, someone might say something and, and judgment, right. How often do we judge others? And I'll have a judgment and I'll go, Ooh, hang on a minute. Where did that come from? That's not love. That's not who I am. So I have to get back to, okay, well, who am I? And I find myself in that place a lot now. And it takes, it takes time to do it. I remember a friend of mine, Nancy Matthews, 
we were filming a documentary together um last year I think it was and we were talking about judgment we were talking about judgment around the breakfast table with these other change makers that were part of the documentary as well and um and Nancy said um no it wasn't Nancy it was Rashawn Rashawn Renee she said um she said we've got this thing at home where if we ever make a judgment we put a hand up as if to say miss I've just made a judgment and um and she said it's hilarious because you know, you'll, you'll be just chatting to each other or you'll just be sitting there watching telly or something and all of a sudden an arm would go up and it's like, whoa, what did you just learn? <laughs> and so Nancy and I said, right, we're going to do this for the rest of the week. So for the whole week that we were on this documentary, every time a judgment came up about ourselves or someone else, we put our arm up. And I tell you what, by the end of the week, we were hardly putting our arm up because we were catching it. I think it was the physical element of it that made you really think, oh, I don't want to be putting my arm up. So you started to catch it more. And um, and it, it was good training. <laughs> and at the beginning of the week, we were like, you know, we had like <laughs> very active arms. But then by the end of the week, we, we'd really learned a lot about ourselves and how many judgments we were making about ourselves and others. You know, because you're making judgments of yourself all the time. And are you being nice to yourself in the same way you're being nice to other people? No, not as often exactly. as you you'd like to most most probably it's funny that you say with the arm because physiologically you do imprint a better memory if you do it with an activity as well as the learning so you putting your mm. arm you constantly reminding yourself that you're <laughs> so good. but I think that <laughs> question of who am I is something that people really really just resist and a lot of the time answer it with the label of I'm, you know, a doctor, I'm a teacher, and yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not who yeah. they are. And I think what's really interesting now is that right now, the whole world is being asked to stop. And a lot of people are going to have to look at themselves when they've been running away from themselves. And obviously, they'll be suffering in different ways. But I think that's a really rare, extreme circumstance and gift as a sort of collective consciousness that's happening right now. So, I mean, for you, for example, with what's going on with coronavirus, obviously there's, you know, there is suffering, there'll be grief, there'll be financial suffering for people, there'll be totally stress. But what would you say is the good that will come out of it? We're already seeing the good that's coming out of it. Uh, the humanness and human nature. It's really interesting. It's almost like this dichotomy of human nature that we're seeing right now. Like it's almost polar opposites. You've got complete greed, um, ego, fear, anger, resentment. You know, you've got that going on in a really small way. And in a much, much bigger way, I'm seeing love, support, communities getting stronger. I'm seeing... Um, you know, people getting help that would never have got help before. I'm seeing the the human, um, I'm seeing the love, the amount of love on the planet right now. I mean, you know, even the weather's improving. <laughs> we, we, uh, we, you know, we live on, we live on the river, you know, constantly uh, moving, but we've been in the same place for the last eight weeks because of the weather and now coronavirus we can't move anywhere so we're we we managed to find a marina that we could stay in that was safe and you know we're in a gated community so um we can walk the dogs and things don't really feel any different than they were before 
but I am noticing that there's a lot more nature around than there was when we were here, uh, you know, eight weeks ago when we first arrived. And, you know, I think everything is improving. The world is improving. But what I do know is that when we come through this, it's going to be a different world that we go back to. And, you know, are we going to continue? Are we going to um, bounce back to the way that it was and, and be like, phew, thank God for that and still work ourselves into the ground and still do all the things that we did before? Or are we going to make the commitment and the decision that actually there's been so much love, so much community, so much um, spirit in a good way? You know, how are we going to keep in that place? How are we going to stay in that place? And now what's interesting is what the media are showing is all of the negative stuff. They're showing the ego, the hatred, the frustration, the fear, the resentment, the anger. They're, they're, you know, they're sharing the, um, what they're really selling is anxiety right now. Fear and anxiety is what they're selling. Whereas on social media in communities, we're selling love. (laughs) So it's this, very interesting um kind of like i say dichotomy of of how how do we go on like are we are we going to drown out the fear and the love uh, the fear and the hate and the ego with the amount of love that we're creating right now you know people are birthing businesses right now that are very different to the way they've run businesses before because they've had to get resourceful with the resources they've got if you look at the recessions that we've had before, never have we had more resource online. You know, we couldn't have created this podcast together 10 years ago. It just mm-hmm. wouldn't have been possible. You know, when we went through recession in 2007, we were starting our new business in 2000. That's when we launched our agency. And we thought, oh, what a terrible time, you know. But I said, no, um, you know, the whole team, I said to them, no one's watching telly. No one's, you know, got the radio on. We're not having any of that. We're going to create our own internal economy and we're going to come through this stronger than any other agency in this area. And in fact, we ended up with so much business from the other agencies because they were still listening to the news. They were still listening to the hype. They were still bought into that stuff. We weren't. We created our own internal economy and we sailed through it quite literally. So, you know, as this has hit us, um, I'm actually, I'm not worried. I'm not worried at all. I think the more you're serving, the more you're selling. You know, and if you're in business, you can't be selling anything if you're not serving in a big enough way. So if you haven't got the money that you want, you're not serving in a big enough way yet. So what could you do to create more legacy? What could you do to get out and and create more more strategies for serving? Because there will be sales on the other end of it. And And I think the people that are focused on how can I serve, they're the ones that are going to be stronger by the end of this. The people are focusing on how can I sell? They're the ones that are going to go out of business. They're the ones that, are, that you know, they're not approaching it from the right energy. And it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens at the other side of this. I love that. Um, what you say, eternal economy. I think that's such a, such a good point. Mm. It's something that we really are going to have to be as resilient internally because as we know the outside world can't be controlled in these kind of situations it's out of our control so how are you going to control you know the internal mm-hmm. that's such a such a great way of putting it so just to finish two quick questions because I think there's one thing I'd love to ask you that people would probably love to know from you 
And <laughs> one other thing to do with the book, because I always ask people what's um, one book that's changed their life more than anything. Yeah. So, first of all, what is one book that's changed your life more than anything? Oh my goodness. A book that's changed my life more than anything. Um, there's a book that I read recently. I would say one of the books that I read a long time ago that changed my thinking was um, How to Win Friends and Influence in the Digital Economy. Mm. Um, that was a really interesting book. I must have read that about seven or eight years ago, maybe even more. And, um, you know, it, it, it ultimately things are still the same. We still want human connection. We still want the Maya Angelou um, how you made me feel effect. Um, so nothing's changed there, but the vehicle and the fuel we need to put in the vehicle for reaching those customers has changed. So it's very interesting. Um, you know, that, that book really made me think a lot outside the box, but a book that I read recently um, on our mission to be reading non-business books uh, was Conversations with God by mm. Neil Donald Walsh. And I really, I loved that book. I, I took a lot from that book. And, you know, I mean, I'm reading some really interesting, <laughs> some really interesting books. And, you know, my husband, he's on a, um, he's on a real mission at the moment. He, uh, he will be speaking at the UN next year. He's, you know, totally determined that he's going to uh, create his manifesto uh, around how to be a better human being. So, you know, all the stuff that he's reading right now, you know, we're having some very interesting conversations at dinner. <laughs> and that, uh, you know, just like, you know, well, where is the world going? Um, well, where it's going and where we have the power to take it are two different things. And I think, you know, as small business owners and entrepreneurs, um, we have this, we have the power, you know, we, we have the power to make a change. We can have a thought in the morning and have it up and running and out there and creating a global movement um, by the evening. And, um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just amazing how you can, how you, you know, you have a lot more power than you think you have. And, uh, you know, the conversations with God conversation was just so interesting that, um, that, that a lot of that resonated with me. So, yeah, that's definitely a book that I would recommend getting into if you haven't you haven't read that before. That's funny. You are actually you're the second person to recommend that on the podcast. Um, in episode two, a guy called Paul McGregor, who is a men's mental health speaker and author, and he said that book really changed his life. And I'd never heard of it, and I actually this has made me realise even more. I really want to read it again. That's on my list. <laughs> of the many yeah. books to read but I definitely want to read that it's really interesting my next business book that I'm reading um is going to be the one thing I can't remember who wrote it uh, but the one thing um that keeps popping up in like it keeps popping up not just on google it's not like a refollow campaign it's literally like I've seen it on you know I'm interviewing someone I can see it on the shelf behind them and uh, the last airport that I came through I was somebody had mentioned it at one of our events the night before and I was coming through the airport and then it's right in front of me and somebody mentioned it on the confessions of a global change maker show last night that I do every day and I was like I've got to read that book so that's going to be my next read <laughs> <laughs> love that it's always a list isn't there it's just endless stops yeah. and then so to finish if someone is wanting to start a brand and build a brand even now or you know start a brand themselves what's one thing that you would say people have to consider when they're trying to create their own brand that people probably 
don't usually think about? Um, I would say that the biggest thing that you've got to think about when you're um, building your brand is the vision. You know, ultimately there are three V's and I think I shared them when I was on stage with you the other week. There are three V's and that first one is your vision. You have to know what are you, what, what are you doing and why are you doing it? So, you know, if you're in business, that would be, you know, what are you building and who are you building it for? You know, are you building a movement? Are you building community? Are you building a program? Are you building an academy? Are you building a center of excellence? Are you building a, you know, fill in the gap, be very clear about what is it you're building? You know, what was it that you built that became the vehicle that, that created everything else underneath it and behind it? Uh, and who is that for? You know, that, it's not for everybody. People try and do every everyone and everybody. It, that, it doesn't work that way. It, pick a lane. Pick a lane. Who is it that you desire to inspire? Who do you, uh, you know, if you could spend all your time with a certain type of person day in, day out, and they valued you, they paid you for it, and they, you know, they paid you what you're worth, pay you before you even ask for the money. Um, they share everything that you do. They, they get so much value out of everything you do. Who would that be, right? So if you were in business, it would be that. If you're talking about your life, uh, you know, it'd be, well, what life do I want to live? And who do I want to be? And who do I want to show up as every day for me to have, and who do I need to have shown up every day? as for me to have, have achieved that life that I want. So, you know, the vision is so important because the vision, well, it holds you accountable. You're either moving towards the vision or you're moving away from it. Again, in every choice you make, you're not free of the consequences of those choices. Is that choice that you're making right now going to take you towards your vision or is it going to take you further away from it? And I would say, you know, do that with your, with your values as well. As I said, you know, one of the biggest things that I um, learned through the whole painful burnout process was I wasn't being true to my core value of freedom. And if freedom is your highest value, then doing something where you're, you, you haven't got freedom is not going to ignite your soul. It's not going to keep you happy. You're just going to get resentful with that thing and your life to the point that you just walk away from it like I did. And it doesn't have to be that way if you learned earlier on how to manage that. So your values are really, really important. And, um, you know, who do you need to be um, to live the life that you want to live is one question. But when you know what your values are, who do you want around you feeding your mind so that you can achieve what you want to in your life? That's, you know, your values then enable you to do a very clear itinerary kind of sense check. Are the people around me that I'm spending, you know, take five people that you're spending most of your time with or that you're in communication or connection with on a daily or weekly basis um, and, and measure them up towards your, your dream goals. Like really step into your vision, do a visualization of what does that life look like? What does that business look like? What does your relationship look like? What does your bank account look like? What, what does your home look like? You know, step 100 years into the future and think, you know, what do I want to have looked back on and seen the life that I've lived? A really meaningful life that, that you know, was filled with purpose, that was filled with wealth. And that doesn't mean money. You know, I felt wealthy because 
you know, I looked after myself and I cared about myself. And actually I had something that not many people had. I had love for me, right? So you being able to say that, what are those values and who is helping you to get there? Because if out of a score of zero to 10, you look at those five people or five communities you're spending all your time with, you look at them and you've got a two out of 10 for one and a one out of 10 for another and a three or four out of 10 for another. If you haven't got 10 out of 10 people around you, then you're never, how could you possibly achieve what you want to? Because you're the sum of the five people that you spend your time with. You're the sum of that energy of the energy of the people that you spend your time with. And then the final one is, you know, cause you've got your vision, you've got your values and then you've got your value, how you value yourself. That's a big one. That's an enormous one because if you don't value yourself, then nobody else is going to value you. And that doesn't matter whether you're in business, whether you're, you know, that mum. You know, if you don't value your own skills as a parent, then your kids aren't going to value those skills either. You know, it's self-respect. It's standing up in your own power to say, hey, look, this is my superpower. I recognize all the things that I'm not great at, so I'm going to get somebody else or invite somebody else to step up and be that superpower. But here's my superpower, and I'm going to stay in that lane. I'm going to be that superpower so that people value me for that superpower, so that people value and respect me for the very thing that I just, I'm totally in my power when I do that. I'm happy. I'm in my A game. You know, it, it fills me with joy. I love doing it. I would do it every day if I could. You know, like how do you value yourself? And if you don't value yourself, how can you find value in yourself? Even just one or two things that you really love about yourself. And it doesn't have to be your human physical form. It could be how loyal you are, how creative you are. It could be how kind you are, how generous you are, how practical you are, how detailed you are. Whatever that is, find that one thing that, that is your superpower and just grow it and play with it and nurture that. Because as you play with that, you'll find other things that you love about it as well. And, uh, and eventually you'll love the whole being. I love and that. Be the being. I think be the being. I think that's such an amazing thing. And I, I agree. I think everyone has a superpower. It's just finding out what yours is and then really owning it, so to speak. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Sammy. It's been amazing, amazing talking to you. I'm sure everyone's got so much value from that. And if they want to know more about you and what you do, I'm going to put the details in the show notes, but it's www.howtobuildabrand.org is one, isn't it? And with yeah. the Branding Academy, is that also on the same website? Or No, the, um, the Brand Builders Club is um, it's something that's invitation only currently. But I am, and it still will always be um, the uh, an invitation only. But the way that people can get to um, to know me and get some support on a kind of smaller level, as such, um, I, I'm just about to launch the Brand Builders Club Light version, so um, people can get involved from that perspective and then start doing some of the things in a smaller way. And if they want to go further, then we can have a talk about whether it's right for them to go further or not. I, I don't spend my time around people who aren't ready for that progress and you know I don't think it's fair to them and it's not fair to the existing members um, and I also have a Facebook group called how to build a brand as well 
and there's currently about five and a half thousand uh, business owners and entrepreneurs in there. I go live every single day. I deliver the Confessions of a Global Changemaker show in there at 5 p.m. Uh, uh, UK time every day, London time. And um, and so, yeah, there's some really great nuggets that come out of that show and people love it. And so I keep delivering it. So, yeah, if you want to come and hang in there with me, that's probably the best place to start. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into the Lawali Life podcast again today. I hope you enjoyed the episode with the amazing Sammy Blundell and all the value she brings. All information for her can be found in the show notes. And please, if you are enjoying them, please hit subscribe and download all the episodes so I can continue to bring you more amazing people from around the world and keep you sane during lockdown. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.